We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. 
Did the Knicks get shut out of the lottery ball again? <laughs> it's just funny at this point. I don't know anything about basketball. I think I swallowed glass. That's not good. <clears throat> there was a little chip in this beer bottle, and yeah. I'm pretty sure I swallowed glass. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 470. We're brought to you today by Thorough One CBD, NFL Sunday Ticket, and Bet Online. Scott, where would you like to start? Because there is a crap ton to talk about. This is one of those episodes where it could go on for days. We could talk for five straight hours because there's that much that's happened in the past three days. There's a lot of narratives happening right now that are not great, honestly. There's a lot of things that have gone on, especially today. We Two more two more major, major pieces of this team dropped off. I don't even know what to say anymore about the amount of injuries that have happened in the past two years. It's uh, It's wild. It really is. It's just it's, it's just unexplainable. It's crazy. It's yeah, it getting mad seems foolish, getting upset seems foolish because at a certain point it, it's it, you just sort of like lose emotion over it because it's the exact same thing if not worse than last year. Think about it. They've played 25 games, okay? 25 games. So imagine this was April 18th. And they had lost Stanton, Judge, LeMahieu, Britton, Canley, Glaber, and Paxton. And it wouldn't even be the end of April. Yeah. No, how that's, do you, I mean, that's, how do that's, you, I don't even know. That That's what do you do? What do you, you say? What do you depth, do? The depth is one thing. We always, you know, we compliment the depth and, and, and how this team can go and go because they are that good. But at some point, man, especially this year, like, there, there's just not going to be any more guys. There's just nothing there. They've already, they, all the guys that were that were expected to do nothing and like stepped up last year. Now we have expectations, and there's there's a they're they're playing. Like a lot of them are now playing. Geo is a starter. Well, but the, even that, it's like you can't. They, you can argue, overachieved those 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 B squad players overachieved last year. So, you know, it's great. Like, Geo turned into a real player, and that's great and everything. But Talkman turned into a really nice piece on this team. But it's not Aaron Judge. It's not John Carlson. It's not DJ LeMahieu. And I know I said Glaber and Paxton. Like, those guys aren't officially on the IL yet. But Paxton, I mean, Paxton this, has a four, this is a, Tommy John, right? This is Tommy John surgery. slash elbow? Yeah, he's done, yeah. dude. That's it. You don't, you don't. You can't just come back. You can't say those two words and then come back well, in a week. Tanaka. Tanaka. He's the exception no, no, no. to no, that No, no, no. I'm saying you can't say them and then come back in like a short amount of time. Oh, right, right, right. As right, soon as right. those words are muttered out of anybody's mouth, you're done, kid. Like, that's it. You're, you're, you're going to be shelved for a very long time. And he doesn't have any power in his hips. So now his, hey, guess who called this one two weeks ago or oh. a week and a half ago? When, did it take a rocket scientist yes, to figure did, out Yes, it did because nobody was, was talking. I didn't see one other person talking about the spin rate being up and that being a weird uh, flag as to why the velocity was not also going up at the same time. There was strange, strange things happening there and I felt it in my gut. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, we were trying to figure out why was his velocity miraculously down by seven miles an hour. Well, this is why, because he was obviously not healthy. And 
part of me last episode i said oh maybe he's just not worked up yet because he hasn't had the normal ramp up time and that could explain why his velocity never got back up but it also could explain how he injured himself it could certainly explain how he injured himself if your lower body's not there you're overcompensating you're doing things that are not to your norm for your mechanics and like we talked about in this last episode that you and I did, not the Martino episode, because I was not on that episode, but the one that you and I did, we said, Paxton, when he gets weird with his mechanics and he starts overcompensating in places, guess what happens? Injuries. Injuries happen to that guy practically every time he tries to do something different. You can't, you can't resign him. No, I, hell no. No. Well, I mean, you, it's going to be a moot point when he's under under the you know this is a nathan of all these situation right now no, i know but so, some teams will give a guy a, a couple year contract as a we'll yeah, pay to you wait now. for him yeah the, the yeah, mets will wait, give him but, a contract to wait for him for two years yes yeah but it's just at this point for him it's it's not worth the trouble and glaber torres injures his hamstring running down first base trying to beat out a an infield grounder and you know he actually hit the ball hard in that situation it was they, the Rays brought the infield in because it was a runner on third with less than two outs, and he smoked the ball. The shortstop knocked it down, and then you could just see him halfway down down the the baseline just stumble. And this is this is just a hamstring; it's a muscle pull. So that's what that's what happened with Stanton. That's what happened with Judge. Soft tissue. I know they revamped their medical staff in the off season and the, and everything the way that they're going to be doing training and everything, but. Isn't that isn't that just more proof in the pudding that that shit does not matter? No, I was just gonna say, but but like sometimes you just have players that are injury prone, and no matter what you do, they're gonna get injured at an insanely high, alarming rate. I mean, we dubbed uh, Glaber as one of the guys that really wasn't injury prone, you know, because he hadn't. Dude had a hip flexor issue at twenty one. He had a hip flexor issue. That was really it. But yeah. I don't know, man. Like everybody's, everybody's always so eager and fast to blame a, um, a training staff, and I've always just weighed on the side of I, I really just don't think it comes down to them because I don't think they're that important to tell you the truth. Well, they can. I think they can move the needle a little bit, maybe a little bit, other. but not you not can, drastically. You can have a training staff that royally screws up, like they did with Severino, not giving him an. MRI. If you misdiagnose something, that's a different story. Yeah. And it seems like they the last year's staff did misdiagnose a lot of things, and the injury timetables were. Right. So far out of the actual reality of what the players needed for recovery. So I understand like why they would try and revamp things. But if you got a broke player, you got a broke player. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to it's hard for me to say that Glaber is a broken player, though. I'm not specifically talking about Glaber. I'm talking about the I know the I'm talking general, about the, the I, I know. But when have. I see a soft tissue injury, it's like I, I just know what's going to happen after that. Like, oh, just stretch. Uh, oh, you know, get ready. Like, I think all that's I don't know, man. It's 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 tough to it's tough to say why these these uh these pulls happen. Britain I, Britain the night before pulled hamstring running over to first base to try and cover the bag. Well, they're not used to running. You didn't know that. I, I believe he hurt himself. I believe he hurt his foot or something the exact same way last year. Uh, trying to cover. He the did. Bag. He I, did. I, I mean, injuries. I guess is the the big story. I mean, I don't know. The big story is that they just can't beat Tampa, and Tampa mops the is mopping the floor with them. Tampa Literally. just whooped their ass, and is uh, Tampa hits with with uh, runners in scoring position in opportune times because this is a team that makes a lot of contact. You know, we talked about this in the beginning in the previews. This was one of my fears when I was uh, when I was talking to um, our buddy uh, who covers the Tampa Rays, and like this team is built for a season like this because they they do make a lot of contact. They make people make mistakes because of their aggressiveness. Kevin Cash exploits 
other teams based on their weaknesses. And in a short season, uh, that's a that's that's a very tough thing to um, you know to to beat in a in a in a short season. It's tough to overcome that. And I think they are just built for you know a, a short little run like this. So they're dangerous. And that yeah. bullpen's st- stupid good. Kevin Cash pulled all the right moves. He 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 makes the right pitching changes. He does the the right lineup things. And Aaron Boone has had, in my opinion, a terrible season so far. Extremely questionable moves every series. And in this series, it was no different. Like, why are you pinch hitting for Mike Talkman with Miguel Andujar when Miguel Andujar cannot hit his way out of a paper bag right now? He looks awful at the plate. It was a righty-lefty matchup, baby. You didn't know that? Do you want to know the stats, or you just want to trust me to the fact that the stats actually backed up Talkman hitting in that in that scenario? I I, I don't believe you. Are you kidding me? I'm finding I, them. I could hear the stats. Oh, I thought you had them. No, I didn't know you were searching for them. I mean, they're in this 19-page document I have because I'm so mad. <laughs> this is one of okay, the... Okay, here, here it is. Mike Talkman against lefties as a Yankee. 94 plate appearances, 333 batting average, 415 on base percentage, 481 slugging percentage. Uh, Jalen Beeks versus left-handed batters. 284, 359, 432. Versus righties, 278, 351, 438. Essentially even-even splits for Jalen Beeks and Mike Talkman hits lefties. So it was a righty-lefty matchup thing. <laughs> That's what we're looking at, right? What are you talking about? The fa- I'm, I'm joking. The I don't know why Andujar was put into that spot, especially when you have Mike Talkman, who has had just extremely professional at bats. You know, he's just been a um, a guy that you can rely on. Like, if I'm trusting somebody in that moment, it's very difficult to say that I trust Miguel Andujar in a moment that is is absolutely needed. Like, the only thing I could think of is that he, you know, a home run was an optimal posi- uh, place, that, an optimal thing to happen at that point, and maybe Andujar had a better shot at hitting the ball out. Did he? Uh, in that particular at bat, I don't think he did. I'm just saying. I'm trying to trying to go through some uh, some reasonings here, because that would have won the game, right? That would have been a walk off. That would have been a walk off home run if that ball went out of the uh, out of the ballpark. So in, indeed, it would have. Yes, right. and and then today's Boone not using Chad Green in the tie game in a crucial situation with runners on base after Adam Adovino could could not do shit. I don't understand that. After the game, Boone said that Green was available. He just didn't pitch for one reason or another. And Avalon comes in. So I just don't understand some of these moves that Boone makes, and I don't understand the explanations, and I just don't understand anything. <laughs> um, I saw Neil's uh, Neil's tweet after Avalon got got uh, got destroyed and was basically like, I knew that it was going to take this for Boone to stop bringing him in in high leverage situations. Uh, yeah, he Boone does do this. I, I will say Boone gets a little greedy with a guy that you don't expect to do well. And, and Avalon, I'd say, was definitely pitching you know above his abilities for a while. And you just get a little too greedy at certain points, bringing him in in a tie game, runners on against the number two team who's quickly approaching you and you're you're in jeopardy of getting swept. You can't get swept at home. This was, it's a stupid thing to say in a regular season of a baseball season, whether it's 162 or, or 60 games. This was a must-win game. You could not get swept. Well, they did. They got swept and Avalon was in the game in a tie-tie, a tie-tie, in a, in a, in a tie ball game at a crucial situation. What was that, the sixth inning? And just just completely shits himself. 
Yeah, and after that, it was it was toast for for the game. And Adovino looked terrible too. I mean, how many of those frisbees got to sit over the middle of the plate for them to just get destroyed? I told you two episodes ago that Adovino was was Adovino was scaring me because his peripheral stats did not match what the actual results were, and. When you see something like that happen in a in a condensed time, you could say, okay, well, this is probably a fluke that he's pitching to a one ERA. He's not going to keep pitch, pitching to a one ERA. Puts way too many base runners on base. Yeah, you want you're the one that wanted to sign him. So, I mean, he's still pretty good. I mean, you're the one that you, that was like your big off season move as GM was signing Adovino two years ago. Okay, and they did it. You're right, they did do it for thanks, the large. Thanks, thanks for that one. <laughs> For the most part, it worked out. <laughs> I don't get paid to sign players for the New York Yankees. I do a podcast. I'm just saying, those Frisbees, when they're bad, they're really bad. I mean, when he's on, he looks, it's unfair. But it's just, it's becoming a, a an alarming rate where you're, we're seeing the, you know, him being not on way more, way higher percentage than I, than I want to, uh, that I'm comfortable with. It's not so, good. Now the Rays have won six out of the seven games you've played, which means you cannot win the season series against Tampa, which means if you tie them for the division, they win the division. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big deal. I mean, it would have been a big deal if they didn't expand the playoffs. Could have been a big deal. They, they baseball Well, you know, you still think us. it's a big deal, the fact that the the Yankees would then have to go on the road to Tampa? And no, it, 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 no, I don't think it. They just got swept at home by Tampa, so who cares? There's nobody in the stands. Who gives a? There f- might even be a playoff bubble. Who cares where the? Do you game care is about any? Do you care about anything anymore, Scott? I, do you I'm, have it's, feelings? It's do you have emotion? The where emotions are, are not there. Tell me, how do you feel about the state of the Yankees right now? They I got to just- tell you though, the the playoff. When we're talking about playoff um, advantages for a stadium that where there are no fans, I don't see it. I, I mean, are we talking about just dimensions? Is that it? That's the reason? Just dimensions. So the Yankees, who don't have left-handed power, are made for Yankee Stadium because of the short the short porch in right field? Like, where's the argument here? Well, I mean, their their hitters can go opposite field. So Luke Voigt go upper tank yesterday in right field. Yeah. I mean, there's they have the ability to do that. He can go upper tank and uh, literally go upper tank in Tampa. Literally. Well, I mean, there's nothing before, in the tank. They, the the poor Stingrays are not, no longer there. Which before this know. series, before this series, the Yankees were undefeated at home. They seemed like a very, very unbeatable team at home prior to this. But does that really mean anything to you when there's no fans in the stands? I don't really. I I, I truly don't understand the um the the advantage at that point. Well, I think the advantage is familiarity. I mean, they're professional athletes. You are more used to seeing the ball in your home stadium because you play there more than you play on the road. Like you play equal amount, but you 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 there's play eighty one games there's in a Yankee dark Stadium behind everybody now. There's like n- there's literally no distractions. So then, why does Aaron Judge have such better numbers at home than he does on the road? I mean, I just think some guys are more comfortable at home. It's your own clubhouse. It's your own house. I, I, I understand. Your, on a normal year, I would agree with it's you. Your, it's your on own. A normal, on a normal year, I would agree with you. This year, I just don't. I don't. I don't think it's a big deal. Just because of the fans. So the one difference yeah. now is the fans. Correct. I understand. I agree. That's a big deal. Huge deal. But I still think there's. You're not sleeping in a hotel room. You're not getting on a flight. You're not. You're not eating uh, freaking gross food from the other uh, other teams. I don't know how do they eat when they're on the road. Probably really well. They probably go to steakhouses. Honestly, <laughs> not now. Steakhouses go to them. I don't know what to tell you. These guys are eating good. They're eating well. Okay, fine. So, so it doesn't matter 
doesn't matter to you. You don't care that they might finish second in the division. No, I don't. You know, I think I think because of the expanded playoffs, it really took away from this whole thing. So, I mean, granted, I I want to be. I think more what it what it means to to me is that Tampa can go to the Bronx to your home stadium, whatever that means now, and you go down there and they whoop your ass in both places. So now there's a a, a very very strong confidence in the players of Tampa, and that to me is a very big problem. If these guys are going out there just understanding and fully confident that they can whoop your ass no matter where they're playing. That's a problem. That to me is a big problem because they think they're better than you and they, they've they proved it in a, a short sample size. So now they're walking in with their chest out and ready to play some baseball. That's a problem to me. Yeah, I, they look. They just look like the, the better, more complete, more confident team in this series. And, you know, you could say, hey, they, the Yankees are without their three best offensive players for the series. And sure. they're dealing with a lot of injuries. Which but- is true, which is extremely true. The Yankees just lost three out of four in Tampa with those three players. Also true, <laughs> but I'm saying it's it's. I mean, it's still a detriment. It doesn't mean that they uh, that it could have couldn't have been a different outcome here. I mean, those are three very 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 good players, if not you know great players in today's game. And when you're out those guys and you're looking at who's replacing them, yes, they're competent and good replacements in 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 most cases, but they're still not the same guy. So I mean. I want my full war chest when I'm going against the best the best team in my division, right? Like I want that. There's no doubt. I would, anybody would be crazy if they didn't want, uh, you know, their their full team. So, sure, it plays a role, and they could use that. I would if I'm the Yankees. I'm, you know, kind of walking in with that. That's something to walk into. Well, so and so wasn't here. Judge wasn't here. Stan wasn't here. LeMahieu wasn't here. But now we got them. We're good. Yeah, and Stan and LeMahieu are probably still a few weeks away. Judge is. He would have been back on Saturday if there at this point is even going to be a baseball game. Friday's already been postponed because two Mets have COVID. We don't know what, what is in store for the rest of the week, and I have no clue. At this point, it's just like TBD. Right. Yeah, it's it looks um looking bleak if tomorrow is already gone. So yeah. Well, uh, if you cancel if you postpone Friday, I don't know why you're gonna come back and play Saturday. I don't know what the difference is there. So maybe they can get some tests back by Saturday that say, okay, no one else is uh, is test positive, so we can play a doubleheader on Sunday, and then they'll have to play a doubleheader the next weekend when when they play them again. Yeah, I, th- I mean, the fact that they're coming back around uh, to play the Mets in, in the very near future, there's just going to be a bunch of doubleheaders. So I, I do think that they're just going to, they're probably going to push these games. Is uh, Sunday, actually Sunday's not even a Sunday night game, which is very surprising. Sunday's a yeah, one they, o'clock game. Yeah, I think they uh, the Yankees were on Sunday night baseball like back to back weekends, weren't they? Or it was very close against the Red Sox. They were uh, the Red Sox it was close. At, yep, uh, two weeks, two weeks against the Red Sox. They were uh, they were at Tampa the week before that. Right. So yeah, I I don't know. It, it's there's a lot sort of like a lot of moving parts right now um, with the Judge injury. You know that got a lot of talk this week because he obviously said that he feels a hundred percent. And a lot of people were pissed that it seems like the Yankees jumped the gun and putting him on the the IL. I believe we talked about this last episode. Did we talk about this last episode? Him saying he was 100%. I can't even remember when yeah, we of last course recorded. We, yes, we did. 
he he had so, said it right before I think we recorded it. Right. So since we last recorded, the Yankees actually did complete the four game sweep of the Red Sox. Like you would not remember that because it's been felt, feels like it's been years since they they last just were wiping the floor with the Red Sox. But yeah, the Monday the Monday game was the uh, fourth game, right? It's 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 just weird because normally that fourth game is on Sunday and it's a starts on a Thursday, but trickles over. Can we also acknowledge, though, like Judge is saying he feels 100%. Judge is also the guy that said he would have been ready for March opening day, when in reality, he would not have been ready until late June or July. So I I, I just don't know if I can trust his own injury diagnosis. He says he feels 100%, but is he really 100%? No, I don't. I doubt it. Well, I mean, I'm not going to argue what the MRI says and and, and the the fact that they are telling you that there's a, a very mild strain. Fine. You can't. I can't disprove that. Of course, the you know there there is something that they've uh, that they've seen that says they're gonna they're gonna play their cautious the cautious card. But again, these strains, man. Like someone someone tweeted me today uh, just recently asking about the MRI machines and like they're how everybody goes to the MRI machine so fast. And and of course, if you put anybody in an MRI machine, like if there's if there's any kind of like fatigue sometimes in, in a in a in a muscle or a you you could see it and you could qualify it as a you know a grade one strain potentially. Just, what do you, you think MRIs, If we went into an MRI machine, how much would they find? A lot. My well, I know I know for a fact my they would look at my elbow and like shriek. <laughs> would uh, would we be cleared to play? Oh no. Oh maybe because scar tissue. I don't know if the it may the injuries may be so old and like just set in at this point that they're like it doesn't matter. Just go ahead. And, They're not and trying I, to prevent injury at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I really think that the lineup showed its weakness against Tampa without specifically LeMahieu and Judge at the top of the order. So they went 0 for, 0 for 6 on Tuesday with runners in scoring position, 0 for 7 with runners first in scoring position on Wednesday. And then I forget what they finished on Thursday. I believe they did end up getting a couple hits late with runners in scoring position. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, but to a certain point, they were they were zero for five, and they um, why can't I find this? They're, I mean, look, they're they're not good in runners in scoring position because of the way that they play. One for eight, one for eight. They don't they don't go up there with the approach to move a guy or uh, you know find some green with a base hit, hit him where they ain't, go against the shift. That's not the mentality. The mentality is to hit the ball over the goddamn fence. So if you have that mentality, you're gonna. As a team, as a collective unit, you're going to have most likely on 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 most given days, you're going to have a low percentage of success. No, it's not just necessarily the hits, though. It's the quality of at bats because Luke Voigt's been setting the world on fire. He hit a home run in in five straight games. Yeah. Right? He looks he looks He's amazing great. at the plate. Really, really, really good. Except that at bat with the base good loaded. at first base too. By the way, picking picking balls left and right. Yeah, well, we learned on Nerd Test last week that that does not back up. Yeah, that, I say they are dumb. So, so, but that at bat when he, the bases were loaded and he comes up there, and and he's the the pitcher had just hit Mike Ford. He's wild. He he threw a ball in the dirt on the first pitch to Voight, who check swings for strike one. He proceeds to not throw him a strike. For four, the next four pitches, but somehow it gets to a 2-2 count. And then Voight strikes out looking. So on the one hand, Voight is, his numbers look great, and he's hitting home runs, and that's all well and good. 
But then when it comes down to the most important at-bat of the game, he has a horrific at-bat. And if it's not Luke Voigt, it's Miguel Andujar. And if it's not Andujar, it's Gary Sanchez. Miguel Andujar had one of the worst at-bats I've seen in a very, very, very long time when he pinch hit for Talkman. If it's not him, it's it's Glaber. If it's not him, it's Gio. These guys don't have good at-bats with runners on base. And that is the problem that I have. It's not that they're like an all-or-nothing team, home runner bust. They're not having the same quality of at-bats when the when there's runners on base. But, but don't you by, think the pitchers know that? Don't you think that these pitchers, especially Tampa's pitchers, understand what the approach is for these Yankees um, when they're walking up to the plate? And, and they will be a little bit more... Uh, loose, I guess, with, you know, and, and throwing a fastball here and there when there's not runners on or they, they just, they know how to exploit a lot of these weaknesses. I feel like okay. point counterpoint, like I, the Yankees need to adjust. I see Luke Voigt have good at bats in the third inning with nobody on base. He takes a couple pitches. He works it to a two, one count and he hits a home run to right field. Why can't he do? I don't expect him to do you You're saying you're, you're, you're saying well for that particular at bat. If he's if he's swinging at a ball first pitch, you brought a slider up slider in the dirt. He checks swinging a slider in the dirt. It's like he's too anxious. He's too aggressive. He's just, he's not. He's well, not no, he's, doing he's probably the same looking, approaches he's done. He's probably he was, looking at a guy. He's probably looking at a guy who just hit Mike Ford, who's trying to come back and get ahead of the count. And he's probably looking fastball at that point. And he's going balls, shoes out of his, you know, swinging out of his shoes for a fastball, trying to hit it to the moon. That's what he's probably looking for at that point, right? Because you'd you'd think that. You know, one of the approaches could be this guy just put on a guy. Uh, um, he was been wild, just put on a uh, uh, the guy before me because he hit him. He's probably going to try to sneak one in and get ahead on the count. I'm going to be ready for it. And he uh, pulled the string on him. That's probably what happened. Yeah. And I guess my initial point was that I, I have more confidence that LeMahieu and Judge are going to give better quality at bats. Well, no shit. More- more to what they're normally used to giving in a, in a low leverage situation, right. in a high leverage situation, and then that pushes everyone down the lineup, and it just changes everything. Doesn't that so, go without? Doesn't that? Isn't that like go without being said though? Like, I mean, of course, LeMay, who's going to get a better at bat, Judge, who's one of the best players in baseball, is going to give a better at bat. I understand that, but the guys that we're having here, like <clears throat> the fact that Luke Voigt is playing the way he's playing, it's hard to knock a guy who's been literally carrying the Yankees uh, with the, the production. I'm not knocking Luke Voigt. I'm kind of more using Luke Voigt as an example. A scapegoat. Of, as it's, it's like he does it, he's an example of a player that I I don't love when you have nine of them up and down the, the order. It's basically it's like he's a he's a three true outcome guy. I actually did the math on it today. I saw your I saw your math equation. The fifty one percent of the time, so more than the majority of the time, more than half the time, he either hits a home run, strikes out, or walks, and. At, at the end of a season, that looks good. His WRC plus is going to be off the charts. Fantastic. But it's predictable. And, and, and you get a lot of terrible at-bats in key situations. And if you have two Luke Voigts out of nine, great. If you have seven Luke Voigts out of nine, not great. I, I would be curious, actually, more. To, I would, that, that, uh, that would make and mean more to me if I knew what the 49% was. Also, it's every, it's everything else. You I know broken down le- legit. Yeah, because I mean, are those are like 30% of those fly balls as well? Like, so the ones that he's not hitting out of the park are also kind of in that ilk as well. They're, they're just being caught. He's not hitting them hard as hard. I would venture to guess. Yeah, he's a launch guy. Right. So I guess I'm just not under, I don't understand the stat as much as being like, we just know that he is 
my eye test would have t- said that, right? I, yeah. I would have I would have predicted that that his ground ball out percentage would have been very low. Yeah, I, again, I was just using it as an example. I, I sort of said like Luke Luke Voigt is the epitome of the three true outcome player, where he legitimately, literally, more than fifty percent of the time does one of those three things. It's very predictable, is all I'm saying. Like I'm not. It's not a knock on Luke Voigt. That's just the player he is. Right. Yeah, I know. I, I see what you're saying. I, he's just hovering around that fifty percent. So it's like, you know, and if and, he was at seventy percent. But I, I come back to like in in these key situations against the Rays' great bullpen or against uh, the uh, the Astros' starting pitchers last year in the playoffs or when it comes down to really nut cutting time um, against good competition, those those three ninety on base percentage guys who go one for four with home runs, they don't do that in the playoffs. Well, that's also that's also because they're throwing strikes too, right? Part of that on base percentage is walks. Like these guys are getting balls that are over the plate. They look like they're over the plate when sometimes they're not because of the breaking stuff because they're being fooled. They're not looking to walk in that situation either because they understand that the pitcher's going to be more careful and be over the plate and they're just getting fooled. They're flat out just not making contact on most likely off-speed pitches. They're being exploited. Yeah. Yeah, the one for three in the regular season, the one for three with a home run and a walk in the playoffs becomes 0 for four with three strikeouts. Right. The walk does not happen against better pitching in crucial situations. Just doesn't. And and we've kind of crapped all over the offense and and you know the the key like the clutch offense and, and rightfully so in this series. But the the pitching it's not even been this series. This has been a problem for the New York Yankees for a long time. Yeah, you can hide it against the Red Sox, though, because you know you're going to eventually just put a couple runners on base and someone's going to hit a three-run home run. And if they tie the score, it does not matter. You're going to score more runs off their pitching next inning. But against Tampa, it does matter. But at the same time, starting pitching matters, too. And Masahiro Tanaka was terrible on Tuesday. Cole was good, but I guess not good enough. And and um, today, Paxton eventually ran into trouble in the fifth inning. Didn't give up a hit to the fifth inning, but his, I guess his elbow exploded in the fifth inning at some point. I got some numbers on Tanaka here. Are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. Can I tell you something that's going to get you excited, though? For It's probably not going to get you excited, though, because it's like, oh, okay. They're going to they're gonna cruise before you get into Tanaka because we're, we're going to see some good numbers coming up. I just want to get people excited because I feel like there's a lot of negativity hanging around this team right now. Um... <laughs> September baseball, September baseball for the New York Yankees. First two games, we got Tampa and Tampa. Those are going to be tough games. Tampa's a tough opponent. They're not good. Then we got Baltimore for three, Toronto for three, Baltimore for four, Toronto for three, Boston for three, Toronto for four, Miami for three. They're going to go, go undefeated. Go in, they're going to go undefeated in September. <laughs> I was going to say, do you want to do a Mike Francesa win, win? That's a loss. That's a win. There's no losses here. They're going to go undefeated the entire month of September. Actually, I take that back. Is that, they, is that a bold prediction? They might lose the first two games to Tampa because that's not, <laughs> not going so well. <laughs> but, you know, Yankee fans would not even be pleased with that because then it would just be, well, you can't beat Tampa. Right, it, which is a problem. Uh, yeah, so they're going to go undefeated in September. They literally have an entire month of dog shit teams that they're playing. 
So that's something. Well, okay, so what, what are you saying? Like, we know they can beat the dog shit teams. They they beat the dog shit teams the last year. Yeah, that was my, that was why I, that's why now. I said you're going to be excited. And then I took it back because you're just going to find the negativity in this. And you're going to understand that's that this is not, not going to be, this is not going to prepare them for the playoffs, which I do kind of see. I understand that. But maybe they can work their kinks out, get, get the guys healthy again, take the month of September off in a short season and be ready for the playoffs. You know, like... That that schedule that I just repeated to you is a bunch of teams that are terrible and at yeah. that and at that point are not going to be playing at all. Baltimore might be in the playoff hunt, no, but we play them earlier, so it's not going to matter. <laughs> and we're going to definitely sweep Baltimore. But like Toronto, done. Like they just they're they're losing guys now. They're done. Boston has already quit, and then Miami. There's no way the last weekend in. Um, in the of the season, Miami's going to be playing. They're literally going to be in a strip club. Whoopee! So they go seventeen and zero versus those teams. Yeah. That, so the, the, so the, um, my point is, is that next man up, it doesn't matter who that next man up. They're going to beat whomever's in front of them, and the real guys can just get healthy and let's just play the playoffs. Work on the opposite field hitting in September. Yeah. All right. I got some numbers on Tanaka, but first, tell you about some sponsors. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every single product is USDA certified organic, grown in the US, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraFlu is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do ever again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only up until Labor Day. So go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back to the NFL with NFL Sunday TV. You can stream every live out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and Direct TV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFL Sunday TV is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Seriously, guys, this is an awesome deal. As Scott and I have said, if you use this, you can get it on any device, your phone, your tablet, your laptop, your TV, Fire Stick, whatever you got. You can get 
15 different TVs going to watch every game on Sunday afternoon. We're all going to be inside anyway because there's a freaking pandemic going on. You're not going to be able to go to a bar in October or November when it's cold outside and watch football. So you're going to have to do it at home. So visit NFL Sunday TV. Use promo code BLUEWIRE. 15% off, baby. So Tanaka's numbers. Your eye test, Scott, I guess we can call this eye test versus nerd test. Your eye test. What is your eye test on 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 Masahiro Tanaka? Specifically his fastball. I mean, what are you asking? What about like what do I think of his fastball? It's it's he he works he has to show the fastball. Okay, but it's getting absolutely annihilated. Like every time I I see hard hard missile contact every time he throws the fastball. Yes, look. The, the we this has been a two year process of this we know this 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 fastball has been dog shit for a while, the fastball is there as a mirage, it's it's opposite of what everybody else does. He I just agree. occasionally has to show it to so show that he can still like ramp up to ninety one miles per hour. Here's the problem though, they're hitting they're they're hitting it this year like they were hitting it last year but he's he, they're hitting it more this year. First he's throwing it thirty three percent whereas last year he threw it twenty seven percent and they're they're just. They see it, they crush it. 737 slugging percentage against his fastball, 856 expected slugging. 737 slugging. Do you realize that is peak Barry Bonds? <laughs> That's not no, good. I'm not I'm not I'm not kidding. That is like 2002 Barry Bonds, where he sees one pitch and it goes 500 feet into McCovey Cove. That's what happens when Masahiro Tanaka throws his fastball, is someone hits it to the freaking bleachers. Yeah, that's not good. That means that means they're 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 sitting and waiting for that very very uh, subpar pitch. How and do you sign either one of those guys? You don't. I don't think you do. I, I mean, Paxton, forget it. Like you you do not touch Paxton because of his injury problems. Tanaka, if he gives you like a super discount, I just you know the the approach for the New York Yankees the the past few you know five years it's just been it's been such a problem the pitching staff has been such a mediocre pain point that you know if we walk into next year and we're looking at Garrett Cole Luis Severino and Jordan Montgomery and then anybody else who cares like I don't want to trot out the same guys that we know are going to be problems I would rather have Davey Garcia pitch an entire year or at least try to. Well, but what are they, see? Here's my thing: is what are they going to do with Devi Garcia? What are they going to do with Clark Schmidt? Because here, here is the trend that we're seeing, not just this year with the Yankees, but in all years. But these numbers are specifically for uh, for this year. So Garrett Cole has made six starts and pitched 36 innings. That's six innings per start. Montgomery, Paxton, Tanaka, and Hap have made 16 starts. Collectively, they've pitched 67 and two thirds innings. That is four and a third innings per start. Under five innings is unacceptable for four fifths of your rotation. Yeah, but that's the new normal now. Especially, especially it's, whether it's, it's a new to, normal or not, that should not be acceptable. You it, cannot get more than half of the game out of your bullpen. It's every it's, night. It's hard. No, I, I agree. Uh, there's a different scenario here just because the rosters are expanded. So there are more bullpen arms right now. That's so this. That does factor into this, but you look at what the numbers were last year. I bet you they weren't very different. They they probably weren't that. They probably were not that different. Honestly, there was nobody giving us length. Nobody. Well, gives no, us one, length. no one was giving the length that Cole should. 
give you on a nightly basis. And Cole's numbers I, on those would there wasn't if he there didn't. wasn't one guy on the Yankees last year giving us consistent length. Severino would go into deep into the game occasionally, but yeah. There's also a very quick hook because of the money that they spent in the bullpen. So there there are there are there are uh, strategic. Really, Severino was hurt all last year, wasn't he? He was hurt a lot. There were strategic um, signings to make the bullpen deeper and longer. So they lean on it. I'm just saying, four and a third should not be acceptable. I mean, I guess I, I, I'm, it's, I'm used to it. We've been watching that for two years plus. It's, anno- it's annoying. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> let's then get rid of everybody. Keep Garrett Cole, Luis Severino. Hopefully he's going to be back and healthy. Hopefully he's got a mechanical arm and throws 103 miles per hour and just is, is an anomaly. And Jordan Montgomery, who I do have quasi-confidence in. And I feel like could pitch longer if allowed. Speaking of 103 miles an hour, Chapman came back, but the sacrificial lamb was Britain to the IL. Yeah. So it's just like... Someone had to go. It's a a wash. Someone had to go. Yeah. Chapman looks Um, like a freaking monster. (laughs) Is he too muscular? No. Did you see him? Did you see him pitch? That slider looked phenomenal. I just like a guy that muscular. I don't know how he pitches. I don't. I mean, I don't think he's like uh, disproportionately muscular. I think he's he's a big guy too. He's more muscular than he was last year. He, he's he's definitely put on some muscles. There's no doubt. But I don't think he's disproportionate to where it's going to get in the way. It doesn't seem like he's like, you know, being constricted because of his flexibility or muscle. I, I don't see that as being a problem. He still looks like he's just a jack dude. And, he, and that slider looked actually really good first time out. Yeah, do you think he... So, because like Britain... So, Boone got a little weird with Britain the other night where he tried to extend him. He brought him in after Cole in the in the seventh inning, and then he tried to get him through the eighth inning as well. And it, ends, it turned out that Britain gave up, gave up the lead and um, he injured himself in that inning. But do you think... Do you... Because... So, I actually could... You could make an argument that Adding Chapman, who's just the ninth inning guy, and losing Britain, who could be used in a multi-inning scenario, it actually hurts the bullpen more. Chapman might be better, but you could say it gives fewer options out of the bullpen. It's not like they made a move to get rid of Britain and bring back Chapman. It just happened. It just happened. I'm talking about yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm not. I, yeah. I know that. But I like, know the way you phrased it is funny because it's like you could argue that this move was actually detrimental to the Yankees because. Chapman comes back, but they get rid of Britain immediately. What an well, idiot. What a what a moron. They, that seems, though, how it is with this team is one guy comes back, two guys go down. What One's a dumb, forward, dumb transaction. Back. How stupid was that guy? Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it's not good for the team. There's no doubt. When you have a guy like Britain who, you know, has the closer moxie, has the stuff and has, has the ability to get a ton of ground balls, which is really, 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 really valuable in today's baseball. Uh, the fact that that guy is no longer going to be available to you is not a good thing. Tommy Canley's to watch. gone. The bullpen is being decimated now, too. At least we don't have to watch Gary Sanchez attempt to catch Zach Britton on a nightly basis for a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's that's painful. It's just assuming something's... I mean, he's locked in a little bit better. I, th- I feel like he's locked in. I'm not even necessarily bl- blaming Gary Sanchez. I mean, I think Britton threw like a 56-footer. I got to tell you, night. Gary Sanchez has become way, way lower on our pri- <laughs> on our like problem priority list. So let's rank them. Let's rank the problems. Oh, What's geez. number one? The number one problem is 
is swings and misses. More than injuries. More than injuries. Because I think they're, yeah, swings and misses are a a detriment to this team. They're They're an absolute detriment. I understand that these home runs come and they come in bunches and that's great. But swings and misses play in the, in the postseason. And, and they are the reason I believe, because if you remember, the pitching was not the reason the Yankees lost in the playoffs. It was their offense. It was well, because that offense. We disagreed on that. Well, I was right. The offense doesn't. Chad Green started an elimination game. So the offense, I mean, <laughs> the offense. Not ideal. Doesn't play when you do that all season long, give success, and then uh, and then try to bring it up against, you know, top top tier pitchers. It just doesn't play. I don't disagree with you. I, I, I'm just saying you could point to two two reasons why they didn't but, win. Yeah, but the I'm saying like even with healthy guys, it's still the, it's still a problem. Okay, so is injuries number two for you? The number two concern after the swing and miss? Yeah, if we're talking about things that are in front of my face right now, injuries are a huge problem. Probably the number one problem. Okay, what about the inability for four fifths of the starting rotation to get even through the fifth inning? Seemingly, that's a problem. But if what their bullpen were healthy, then uh, I mean, are we are we putting this in a uh, postseason vacuum or, or just no? A, we're putting about I just mean, the, I mean a regular season vacuum or I, I, okay, the ability so to win for for the this might be hard, but for the sake of this discussion, like I just saw a Hulu commercial with Aaron Judge in it, and he looked really weird. Have you seen yeah, that commercial? Yeah, a lot of makeup. Um, no, it's um or I think CGI. It was, I think it was a deep fake. Was it? Yeah. And it was ironic because he posted it and it, the caption was like, oh, I'm too busy hitting dingers to to tell you about Nad. So I had Hulu create a deep fake or something like that. Oh. And it's funny because he's not too busy. He's on the injured list. Oh, I didn't I didn't catch that. I, yeah, I was watching it. was poor it on timing the, on his social perif- media. Peripherals team. here. And it was very weird. Okay. That For makes the more sake sense. of this conversation, try to ignore the fact that half the league makes the playoffs because we know the Yankees are going to make the playoffs and then it's a crap shoot. In the play- but just like... The, the the teams the the team winning the team winning against teams like Tampa against against the Dodgers against the Astros against Oakland like Oakland's a great team this year Minnesota's a good team this year like whoever it is you think they're gonna run up against in the playoffs try to think of it in that in that sense when we're talking about these problems the Yankees are facing because yes I know the Yankees are a good team they're gonna make the playoffs making the playoffs is no longer the goal for right so that, that was my Winning question that's World why I wanted to I wanted to get the context team. from your question because I, I was approaching it in the same way I'm approaching it as what the problems are when the uh, the chips are on the table and, and yeah. they're pushed into the middle not now I don't really care what the problems are as much you know against the Baltimore Orioles in the first week of September it doesn't matter as much because they are going to make the playoffs. They're going to beat those teams. It doesn't. Mike Ford can walk on those teams. So yes, I agree. And it's still the strikeouts. I mean, if so, they no, so so strikeouts when they're healthy, the strikeouts are a problem. Strikeouts. Well, health should be a, be an issue because what if they're not healthy or what if they're not hundred percent when they're out there in the playoffs? So that's an issue. You, you could Start- you could argue that it's not as much of an issue because they were playing very well when when very injured last year as well. The uh, inability for starters to get past the fifth inning, most I think, is a problem. What about uh, defense? I mean, Glaber Torres has looked horrific at shortstop. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it's not it's not a top problem for me. Okay, what about Aaron Boone and his management? Not a problem. No, no nope. problems. Not a problem for me. Why not? 
because uh, I think he handled himself well in the playoffs last year. I was I was actually I I was very pleased with the way he managed in the playoffs last year. And I do know that what we've something that we have realized uh, through Aaron Boone's very short tenure is that he does experiment in uh, certain places in the regular season. And I think he tries to put guys in situations to find out how they react. I think he does that more. Do you think that's what he was doing with Avalon today against the race? I I, I mean, I don't really, why do we, why do we need to know how he acts, how Avalon acts in a tie game in the sixth inning against the Tampa race? That one's a, that was a bonehead move. He got greedy, I think. And no, that there's I I don't see a, a positive there. Yeah, and we already Not talked when about Green's the, ready to go. We all well, he wasn't ready to go. He I'm decided saying he, available, ready yeah. to go in that. Um, we already talked about the Talkman pinch hit that made no sense. What about pulling Garrett Cole in the seventh inning on Wednesday night? I mean, so, the, look, the, even even the Anduar Anduar pinch hit like lightning in a bottle, trying to get like I I, I see the angle slightly through the trees. You know, like I can see what he's doing there. Um, but the Avalon just made no sense. Well, Miguel Antuar was sent down the very next morning. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying I can, I can see what he's doing. I'm not saying I agree with it. I just like, I, that one, I can at least, I have a little bit of a vision on. Miguel Antuar was sent down and Mike Talkman was hitting third in the lineup. So that, that is what you, you, it's just on the face of it. It looks stupid is what I'm saying. So when he pulled Garrett Cole in the seventh inning, Cole was at 107, and nine, 109 pitches. Can, Cole yeah. was pissed when he saw Boone come out of the dugout. You could see him say, oh, my God, right? Because he wanted to stay in that game and finish it. And I love that. I you know, Garrett, We've talked about Garrett Cole's competitiveness and his psych, psychotic, psychopath, psychopath, psychotic. Well, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Psyche? Anyway. Psychotic nature. So he's a psychopath. He's he a psychopath. wanted to stay in that game. And then on the Zoom conference after the game, he's talking about how he wanted to stay out there. Like he was still agitated by that. Boone sort of downplayed it, said, I have no problem. I want my players to want to stay out there. But do you, do you have a problem with Aaron Boone pulling Garrett Cole in that situation? You paid a, uh, $36 million a year for a pitcher to get through the seventh inning, whether it's 109 pitches or, I mean, I know you're not going to stretch him too far, but if he has to throw 114 pitches, like, okay. Yeah. There are certain guys that you can, you can let go, right? You can just let them go and, and, and do their thing. It doesn't matter if it's 110 pitches, hundred. And I, I feel like, you know, you, you start approaching 120 pitches. You're, you're looking at it like, okay, the, now we're pitch by pitch. We got to get this guy out of there. But even up until like under 120, I'm fine, honestly, with a guy like him who's, who, who looks, it's not like he did. He looked bad either. Like, do you have more confidence in Garrett Cole or somebody else in your bullpen at this point? And I would probably give you an answer of Garrett Cole 95% of the time still. Well, yeah, I mean, and Britain got out of the seventh inning and then he tried to get gritty with Britain and tried to get him through the eighth inning. So you can sort of play it out. Okay, well, could Cole have gotten through the seventh inning and then you use Britain comes in with a clean clean inning and he's good. Yeah, Yeah, no, I I probably I probably stay with Cole in that in that instance. But again, like the nature of the business today, the nature of baseball, especially on the Yankees, what we're watching, you know, all of that's what we watch. It's been. Pull the guy. If there's any doubt, you pull the guy, you pull the guy. And this is what one of those things that we were, we were talking about in the off season when signing Garrett Cole, 
Like we're going to be mad when Garrett Cole gets pulled in the sixth inning or fifth inning after doing this, because that's the way that the Yankees do things. And they don't realize that they have Garrett Cole on the mound who can pitch, you know, probably up to 150 pitches if it were up to him. So the pitch count to me is, is really not as relevant with a guy like that. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, those are like the issues. But the nerds, but the nerds, the nerd in the tunnels, like screaming, well, I think part of it because he's looking at an overall number that was that's like, you know, including numbers from Pittsburgh. And he's like, this guy's he's got one well, fraction of a percentage down on against a lefty when he's when it's 75 degrees or warmer out. Pull him. Pull him. Well, so, I mean, I, I'm not totally discrediting that aspect of it but i also think that the the, so you got the nerds saying okay at 109 pitches garrett cole becomes x percentage less effective so you got to pull him but then there's also the training staff saying for every pitch over 100 you have this percentage risk of tearing something nobody's nobody's giving him that stat nobody's giving him that stat i'm sorry there is so no you think he's getting a percentage stat? No, not your- not literally percentage stat pitch by pitch, but there is a sense that okay, the longer we stretch Garrett Cole past a hundred pitches, the more injury risk he's going to have. So the first instance they can get him out of the game after a hundred pitches, they're going to do it. I'm not worried about Garrett Cole throwing uh, up to 120 pitches and getting injured. I'm more worried about him getting shelled because his arm is tired. It's not like it's not like he's going to get injured. The guy's mechanics I think are flawless. There's an in- I think I think there's an injury risk to it too, though. Eh, it's that's that's. I think you're I ignoring think that fact too much. I'm not ignoring that fact because I've seen it happen for years and years and years and years and years and years and years where guys don't get hurt and when they throw that that much, it's the nerds who are going at the percentages because they're not as effective. It's not an injury, right? That's not the injury. That's not why they're doing it. It's because they're they think that they they're smarter than the the guy on the mound because none of the intangible things that you cannot measure matter to them. When in reality they do matter because Garrett Cole is going to get out of that inning no matter what because he's a freaking man and is a psychopath and will get out of that inning because he's a perfectionist. But let's ignore that and say that, oh, my God, if he gets to 110 pitches, there's a 3% chance that if he drops a slider on the inside corner, that guy's going to hit uh, a ball that might go four inches inside the foul pole. And I and I and I and that part of baseball, I loathe. I know you don't like it. I know I you loathe don't like it. <laughs> I am very aware you don't like it. Uh, i got a few more things to talk about. Um do you want to talk about J Hap's contract situation or Jorge Posada lying about his age? Well, we we talked about this before we started recording. I think the Jorge Posada lying about his age thing has zero legs. I think it is some someone screwed up in a um a bookkeeping error at some point and Jorge is just like either didn't care, didn't realize, didn't or just chose not to uh correct an error that was a one year difference because it didn't matter. So I think that one's got no legs. Well, I find it amazing. Now that means in his age 36 season, he hit 338 as a catcher. That's even more impressive. Yeah, he's good. He was a good ball player. <laughs> he did from 2000 to 2007. He, I mean, in five years, he's going to look like a like a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's already off the ballot. I'm saying in five years, he's going to look like that. They're, we're yeah. going to look back and see some of these guys and their numbers and how they played throughout their careers. And we're like, damn, should have been considered. 
So um, Posada from 2000 to 2007. So for eight years, he averaged 283, 389, 492, a 132 WRC plus and a 4.6 war per season. He did what Gary Sanchez did in 2017, which was the best catcher in baseball. He did that for eight straight years. We shit on Gary Sanchez because he's not consistent. Jorge Posada was consistent. Yeah. Consistently great. He was. He really was. And And he only received 3.8% of the Hall of Fame ballot. That's crazy. Because this is what I'm talking about. When I say say we're going to look back and see that, you know, I'm not totally being serious, but at the same time, what I think the numbers are going to look like in 10 years for guys that are playing now and have played after Posada, they're going to be so much drastically lower that we're going to look at Jorge Posada and compare them to these guys. And I think that um, he's going to look phenomenal. So there is a, a couple of different websites have the um, different scales and, and baseball reference has something called the jaws uh, scale. And it's to try and measure just a, you know, a player's hall of fame resume based on a number of different metrics and for catchers all time, Jorge Posada ranks 16th and there's, there's two catchers that are ahead of him. Uh, excuse me. He's ahead of two catchers on this list. So two catchers are below him that are in the Hall of Fame. Crazy. So, you know, is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? No. Is he, and and we've had this conversation like, well, if you're not a first ballot Hall of Famer, do you really be lo- belong in the Hall of Fame? Because you should. That's should a different conversation be, though. It's a different conversation, but. But I know Jorge Posada deserved more than three point eight percent of the of the love on his first ballot. So, you know that's what. And, and J Hap is, um, you know, the um, the gross numbers are going down for Hall of Fame eligibility. Essentially, right? They're not. You're not looking at. You're not looking at the big numbers for wins. I think pitchers though runs, is more. Or yeah, but it's. I mean, we're not home runs see any, are going up though. Uh, not total. Yeah, total home runs are going. What are you talking about? Because guys aren't playing long. I don't think guys are going to be playing as long. I mean, that's a different conversation. But I'm like, talking about cumulative, cumulative numbers that are going to be. They're just. Oh, I think there's going to be players that come out of this era of baseball, like the 2015 to say 2030. So that 15 year chunk, there's going to be players that come out of that with like between 400 and 500 home runs. So that we're going to be like, really. That guy, okay, hit fine. 177 we, uh, home runs. I, 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 I don't disagree with you there. There's going to be that middle of the pack that there's going to be more of, but there's still not going to be the upper echelon, uh, high numbers because they got blown out of the water. One in the steroid era, they literally got blown out of the water, and then they, uh, there's going to be a, there's going to be a big a bigger middle class, if you will. So I agree with that. There will be a, a bigger middle class because of the way that launch angle is taken. And then that's when the Hall of Fame gets really muddy because then you start to compare era to era and you're like, well, this guy from the 60s who hit 404 home runs is in the Hall of Fame. Why isn't this guy from the 2000s who hit 505 home runs? You know what I mean? It's just like it's it, it just gets so muddy when you start to try and compare era to era. Well, that's why Jorge Posada didn't get in the Hall of Fame because of Possibly. that. That is the Possibly. reason. And, and I think he was unfairly compared, you know, he was an offensive catcher and he was compared to Mike Piazza, who was another level, good offensive catcher. Steroids. Maybe, but he was another level, good offensive catcher. And, and it's, that's a tough comparison. I'm not arguing Jorge Posada was as good as, as Mike Piazza. Mike Piazza is the best hitting catcher of all time, but Jorge Posada was still really damn good. 
Yeah. Um, Jay Happ is pissed about getting skipped in the rotation. So there's that. You know, he's got an arbitration case to win at some point, maybe. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen with that. <laughs> he's, he's just annoyed because he has no idea what's going to happen and he's getting screwed. So I would yes, be mad and, too, and to tell you the truth. And, I would be to, mad To too. be fair, he did not bring any of this up. It was an, a question that was asked to him. It's not like he was going out looking for stuff. People were blowing this up for 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 un, uh, unwarranted reasons, in my opinion. Well, he said he had two conversations. I feel with like Aaron I'm a J-Hap apologist at this point. It's, you're getting dug in on your takes. <laughs> uh, that happens to me too. It happens to the best of us. So J-Hap said he had two conversations with Aaron Boone. The first one went well and the second one didn't go well. So I'd imagine that first conversation was Aaron Boone saying that they still trust him. And then the next conversation was tell Aaron Boone saying, we're skipping you in the rotation. Yeah. The first one was like, yeah, we're going to work through it. We're gonna, we're, we are, we're not going to skip you in the rotation. <laughs> and the second one was, we are going to skip you in the rotation. <laughs> yeah, and they have two off days next week, which gives them another opportunity to skip him in the rotation. Yeah, but he just pitched really well, so why would we do that? Because he's not good. Well, and they don't want to pay him seventeen million dollars. Yeah, but what's there's no is there a bar? Do we know like is there no, an actual so, qualifier so, that so makes us is, makes the Yankees pay him seventeen million dollars, or or is so this it is only where I'm confused? If he pitches and pitches well, then his arbitration case becomes stronger. So uh, this is where I'm confused, and I couldn't get a straight answer because before the season started, it was reported that J-Hap's contract is not going to automatically vest if he reaches a certain point. However, all these reports are making it sound like, oh, if he reaches this certain innings mark or reaches a certain number of starts, then it vests. But I think what it means is he has a better case to win arbitration if he makes 10 starts or if he pitches 60 innings. If he actually hits the percentage uh, that, that would project him to get to those innings, yeah, of course his case gets better. Right. And I think that's what this is about. And I, and I don't think he's going to get to either of those. And meanwhile, he's pitching to a five plus ERA. So, yeah, if but he was you, pitching I, well, I showed you what September I need him to pitch to get my uh, to get my six. More yeah, does wins. it really count if he gets like four wins against the Orioles? Yes, the it Red counts. Sox. Of course it counts. It's the schedule. You play who's in front of you. Right. Don't he, don't try he, to he, don't try to discount. I, I'm literally at one of one win here. And you're you're trying to steal in case I get you get six more. Really? He's not getting Come on. Um, all right. Baseball's unwritten rules. Boy, <laughs> boy, was this a topic. Fernando Tatis Jr. hit a grand slam up 3-0 in, in a count. His team was up by seven runs. And then they just shit hit the fan because he apologized for it after the game. His manager didn't back him up. His manager saying, oh, he His missed manager a sign. said he missed a sign. Which seems shady. And if he did really miss a sign, then he shouldn't have swung. But at the same time, people get so butthurt about this unwritten rule stuff. You had different people on different sides of this argument. Some people are saying that he broke the code, that you don't rub it in, that it was a it was a poor sportsman thing to do. Other people are saying all the guy did was his job and he hit he hit a hit a home run. So like shut up. Who were the guys that were that were saying that he uh Went against the unwritten rules. Old school guys. Who? I saw the Keith Hernandez had uh, his, his. I saw that clip of Keith Hernandez. Obviously, his uh, the um, Chris Chris Woodward, yep. the um, the Rangers manager. Well, uh, so we know it was from the other side. That was a given. They, they were crying about it. And um, then uh, yeah, it was uh, SNY uh, booth. Uh, was it Russo, darling? Uh, uh, Chris Russo. Okay. Mad Dog Russo. Okay. Um, uh, you're gonna love this one. I think. Uh, 
Uh, no, this was a joke. Never. I, I was like, I think I saw a tweet that Goose Gossage commented on, but I think Rich, <laughs> I think Rich jokingly tweeted that. Okay. Um. So there really weren't. Uh, I didn't see a ton of people. That, no, a lot of people are butthurt. A lot of people that didn't butthurt. surprise me though. Like everybody there, oh, I was like, sure. of course, yeah, of course. Like, who cares? Sure. Right. So it's. I mean, don't the the unwritten rules of baseball. I mean, you you can't even throw at guys anymore without people getting like completely upset about there's just so many there's so many feelings in baseball on both sides that are just un that are just ridiculous do you think fernando tatis jr is taking a sign i saw this someone i don't remember who said it somebody on on tv was brought this up like do you maybe it was johnny bench do you think that he's actually looking down to the third base coach at that point on a three account and taking a sign do you because i don't what do you mean taking a sign like accepting a sign looking for a sign at that point in the game Oh, uh, no, he's no. not. The, the answer no. is no. The answer is no. He's not looking down third base. Most likely. I'm sure somebody could prove me wrong by uh, pulling up a video if that were the case. But what if this, I though? would think that there would be not a, a, a guy like that would not be looking down for a sign uh, at that point in the game. Three Oh, he's just like, let's go. What if the team has a universal sign when you're up seven, eight runs in the late innings, you don't swing three. I don't think that exists. I, I mean, I think it. I think it's one of these unwritten rules. Well, no, no, <laughs> so I don't. I mean, I'm saying like I don't think that's a a team uh, mandated thing. Not mandated, but even discussed because yeah. things situations are so different in every every. You know, I don't know. Well, there could be you. Could maybe what if you have a position player pitching in the next inning and he's the there are no more pitchers. You you're not going to put as many on as you can. No, yeah, no, I, I, I don't agree with this rule. And so what I thought it would be fun to go through some of the unwritten rules in baseball and see if we like them or not. Okay. So I took these from various different articles. <laughs> so you might not agree with some of these being unwritten rules. All right. The first one is never make the first or the third out at third base. Yeah, it's stupid. What do you mean that's stupid? No, I'm saying I'm saying don't do that. Don't right. make the and first then, or third out of third and base. And I don't think that's really that's an a game, that's rule. a situational like strategy situation. baseball thing. Exactly. It's not that's a that's baseball. not an unwritten rule. That's okay, a rule. So, that shit is written. <laughs> okay. So then, so I agree that that those are not considered unwritten rules. How about this one? You don't admire your home runs. No pimping. No pimp jobs. You know, you can't throw at guys anymore. So it's it's just become part of the game. I, I'm I'm fine with baseball culture changing. You know, I think that it's the guys who get entrenched in their beliefs of when they were watching when they were kids and then growing up that baseball was played a certain way because of that era and and era uh, players of that era played in a certain way and then they just can't let that go. Like they can't grow with the game as well and then society and and just how things are different and and recognize that today things are different than they were 15 to 20 years ago in every respect every possible respect of the world, things are a little different. So if you can't grow with the game and have your expectations change as the game changes, then I don't know how to help you. Um, it's just a matter of if they if you've held on to that belief and you won't let it go, right? Like that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Guscache does not want to let any of this go. That one, I am I don't have a problem with it anymore. But I also don't have a problem with a pitcher throwing at you the next time you're up either. As long as it's in the right spot. No. I, I mean, I, I don't want you going. I don't think a pitcher should ever go after a head. Right. But I have that's an unwritten rule. Okay. That's yeah, that's fine. That's just being a decent human being. But yeah. the the um, 
I have, I, I, if you're going to pimp your home run, I'd be like, okay, that's cool. There's going to be consequences. <laughs> There's going to be consequences. Yeah. Okay. Well, then technically there were consequences for Tatis Jr. swinging at a 3-0 pitch. Okay. He got, the Machado was thrown at the very next batter. Great. I got no problem. That, that is the way. But, but see, here's the thing. Baseball didn't let it police it because they suspended. Right. That's the, the problem. Yes. No, that is the problem. Baseball does. You're not allowed to police the game anymore on the field, whereas you used to be able to do that. So, so the so fact you, if you can't police the game, then unwritten rules really need to be thrown out, out the window. Well, no, actually, no, because now they become more of a problem because now you can pimp your home run and there's no, there's nothing to worry about. Whereas before the unwritten rules were taken care of on the field. Well, so I'm saying throw it out the window. Like don't follow them anymore. There are oh, no yeah, more don't follow them anymore. Rules. Right. How about this one? You don't bunt to break up a no hitter or a perfect game. Man, I, I I don't have a problem with it. It's kind of a dick move, but I got no problem with it. Does the game situation matter? If it's a one nothing game in the eighth inning, no problem. What if it's a nine nothing game in the eighth inning? Yeah, I got a problem with that. Okay, don't so be a bitch. Don't be a bitch. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, I got a problem with that. If <laughs> the game, if the game dictates, like a man. if the game is tight, I'm still trying to, and I'm w- trying to win the game. To yep. me, the no hitter does not matter at all. Agree. Okay. How about you don't run across the mound like A Rod did with Dallas Braden? That was stupid. That whole thing was so dumb. I think it's hilarious that A Rod did it because I feel like A Rod didn't know he was doing it because he's a mimbo, and Dallas Braden's reaction was equally as stupid. So, Do you think Dallas Braden would have had the same reaction if it was Derek Jeter? No. Well, Derek Jeter never would have done that. <laughs> I knew, but see, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Anyone other than Alex Rodriguez? Uh, who else? Who else? Mark Teixeira, just, you know, regular Maybe. guy. I, Nick, I make, Mark Nick Teixeira, Swisher, Mark Teixeira rubs Nick Swisher, Johnny Damon, Johnny Damon, Johnny Damon's a would have just been lost. Johnny Damon's lost. He doesn't know <laughs> he where he no is. Idea where he is. I mean, look, I think I think the fact that it was Arod certainly did play into it. Definitely, yeah, and. uh and Dallas Braden, you know, is it was was a he's a lunatic now. He was a, he was a lunatic then. Um, I, I think it's a dumb rule. Well, the, it's like the pitcher don't come in my house. This is my kitchen. Yeah, but at the don't. same time, like who who does that? You got to run up a hill to like go over the. That's just well, being, he ran around. He didn't run directly over it. He kind of ran along the back of it. Dallas Braden was looking for something at that point. Sure. Yeah, I think yeah, it's a dumb. This? I think it's a dumb rule. Don't but again, but again, hold on, hold on. A lot of these come into play that you can take care of it if you have a problem with it in game, and that's kind of not here what anymore. The, what did Arod ended up getting thrown at? I forget. I don't remember. Probably. All right, how about this one? Don't distract a fielder when you are. Why is Arod in like ninety of these? <laughs> yeah. Don't distract a fielder when you're a base runner, like Arod did when he yelled "ha." In Toronto on an infield pop-up. And clapped. Look, that shit was Bush League. Um, <laughs> as, <laughs> as when I'm playing, like, I want to, if I'm playing in that game, I want to fight him. Right? Okay. Like, and I'm and I'm seeing it and I'm like, oh, come on, dude. I mean, just, just don't be an asshole. Like, that's just such a, like a little kid thing to do. What if it was Derek Jeter? <laughs> again. Smart baseball. <laughs> again, Derek Jeter would never do that. that's the problem here don't slap a ball out of the glove of a player when you're running by them like A-Rod did with Bronson Arroyo I mean that's just illegal it's not an unwritten rule that is a rule that's a written rule that is a written rule you're not allowed to do that 
This one is not a rule, and I don't even consider it unwritten, but uh, someone tweeted at us, and I found it funny because I never realized it until now. The pitcher is the only player who walks off the field. Uh. You, are you saying this is an unwritten? This is like a hustle, and, unwritten rule thing. All right, he called it an unwritten rule, but I, honestly, I didn't hear. The, I didn't hear the beginning of this. Who who said this? So I tweeted out from at Yankees podcast. What are some of the your favorite unwritten rules to hate or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And someone tweeted: the pitcher is the only person allowed to walk off the field. And it never really dawned on me that that's true. Every other position player runs off the field. They don't. The sprint, catcher they jog run off the field. Even the, the catcher gives a little jog, but the pitcher walks. Catcher walks. Okay. It's not a rule, but it's just kind of like a funny baseball thing that I never really noticed until now. I noticed yeah. it, but it didn't like dawn on me. Some okay. some pitchers run. Dylan Batances ran and he blew out his ACL. Not running from the pitcher's mound to the, to, to the dugout. So here's one that players are mad, players would get mad at. A pitcher or an infielder fields a ground ball and they run it to first base instead of throwing it. The other team would get mad. No. I don't I don't think that's a thing. It's disrespectful. Why? I don't know. Some people think it's disrespectful. It's only disrespectful if the uh if the pitcher is running across the bag and gets in the way of the of the of the runner. Like that's when they get mad because they become a problem at that point. But I, no, I, I don't think this is disrespectful. No, okay, not at all. But infielder running to the bag, yeah. Like if a second baseman was running, like got a ball, like a charging ball, and like for whatever reason the batter that, that didn't is run that out is of ridiculous. That is ridiculous. That is not a thing. That's not an unwritten rule of baseball. That happens okay. every game. Unassisted uh, double play. What's up with that? Does that not count? Guy ran to second base, tagged the bag. Same thing, is it not? Well, this is a little different. Well, I think it's not really a thing. Okay. And then there's a hardo unwritten rule where you don't rub the spot where you were just hit by a pitch. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're a little bit, you rub it. You got any others? Um, You know, it's, it's a, what, what they boil down to, to me, and what you were trying to make that out to be of running to the bag which is ludicrous. That's someone not, tweeted this at me. I know. I I'm know. just saying whoever tweeted that it's wrong. There's, that's not a thing. I've never heard of that. The, uh, but it's all about respect. It's all about respect. Yes. It's all, it all comes down to respect. respect and don't hurt my feelings. That's what it comes down to. Don't try to hurt my feelings. Yeah. Don't be intentional about my feelings. So, uh, do you care? It, it, like celebrations period are, are uh, should be on this. Like, do you celebrate on the field? Do you act like you've been there before? Do you right. pop champagne in the in the in the clubhouse after a wild card win? When you're the best light. team in baseball, you know, like there are things here that I have that I have given up on uh, shitting on, even though deep down inside it burns. It burns like it does bother me a, a little bit when I see them popping champagne when they have not won anything yet. A little bit of, of me. Is like, can we please just look at the prize and just not celebrate until we get there? So, 
baseball's different than other sports in the sense that there's no clock. So in theory, the Rangers could have scored 15 runs in the bottom of the eighth inning. So the Padres' job is to score as many runs as possible. Whereas in football, say you're up by by three or four touchdowns with two minutes to go, and you're on the 15-yard line. Is it more disrespectful to just take a knee, to try and go for a touchdown, or to kick a field goal? You know, it, it's totally different sport to sport. Yeah, but I mean, you could you could argue that the 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 constraint of a baseball game, while there's no clock, I mean, it does. It's end extremely due, unlikely. It ends due to a uh, a. a a determination of how many outs there are. And then, of yes, course. there are percentages. So, I mean, but, but like in football, if you're down by 35 points with two minutes to go, there's literally not enough time to score sure. those points. Sure. In baseball, if you have one out, in theory, as unlikely as it is, you can score unlimited runs. Right. True. It's a thing. I don't think, so, I don't think it's, I mean, I don't, I don't think that really plays into it as much, but, um, okay. What is I, in I, football? I think, what's your, what's your take on that? On football, would you rather? What's more disrespectful? The team tries to go for a touchdown when they're already up big, or kick a field goal? Because the field goal is just tacking on unnecessary points, whereas the touchdown, at least you can argue, gives the other team a chance to stop it. Maybe you're working on plays. I mean, you could block a field goal too, but unlikely. It depends. I mean, are we, are we talking about like under two minutes left in the fourth quarter? No, you take a knee, just like run the clock out. You know, yeah, I don't, six minutes to go in the fourth quarter, you're up by 35 points. Yeah, you punt the ball or you just keep going. Go for you go for the first down or you go for the touchdown. You go for the first down. If you score, then you score. That's yeah. on them. Yeah, I think kicking a field goal probably would be more disrespectful almost. I agree. Unless you're like running a play action or or you're, you know, you're you're uh d- running a flea flicker. So the the thing is like a play like that. Then that's then then we're going to probably fight. So Tatis swung 3-0. It was, it was a basis loaded situation. He hit a grand slam. What if you're up by seven runs in the eighth inning and there's one out and there's a guy on third base and a guy hits it to the warning track? Do you tag up? Yes. I think it's disrespectful not to. I agree. What if but but then there's a situation if you're if you're up by seven runs, you don't steal a base. Right, because that's not a given. That's not given. Whereas a deep fly ball, a runner on third, that's a given. That's a that's an automatic score. There's not even a play. So the three zero swing kind of falls in the middle of those two. The three zero swing is stupid. The whole thing is dumb because if it was a three one count, nobody would be saying shit. It's so dumb. It's so, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Literally, if if there was a strike on him and he had a home run out of the <laughs> building and then pipped it, nobody would care. Uh, baseball could be so stupid. It's, it's so stupid sometimes. 2-0 count, no problem. What a great player. What a Literally, dynamic, what a dynamic o- player. 0-0 o- o- count, 0-1, 1-0, Literally 2-0, any 2-1, other count. 1-2. Any other two. count. Yeah. Not 3-0. Oh boy. Okay, what was, a was it? I'm trying to think of the pitch. Was it out of the, was it a strike? It was a grooved fastball. He just, yeah. It was a grooved fastball. He just hit it to right field. Like, I, like what are you supposed to do? It's a grooved fastball. Like, Johnny Bench was, I, I actually thought it was funny listening to Johnny Bench talk uh, on one of the broadcasts about that. He was, he was like, well, there's a, if he throws a strike there, then all of a sudden he thrown, grounds into a double play. Then, you know, then there's, they're only up eight going into the ninth yeah, That's inning. just, that's just an old guy trying to explain things. Like, no, <laughs> yeah. He was going way too far with the explanation. I was like, yeah, we get it. They're up a lot. We get the could have gotten out, could have gotten out, probably still up a lot after that. Wouldn't have mattered either way. Hit the home run or not. 
doesn't matter, doesn't affect the outcome of the game. Who cares? 3-1 count, nobody's, nobody cares. Chris Woodward is saying nothing at that point. I can't believe his manager didn't have his back. I think that's the worst part of this whole thing. I agree. His manager didn't have his back. Maybe if his manager wanted to talk to him one-on-one and say, hey, you got to take there, do that in the clubhouse behind closed doors, you don't go in front of the media and out your best young player. God, no, you don't do that. That is that is how you lose a club. Yep. Yeah, that, that is how you that's lose a club. horrible. I, I, and... And every manager, like I can at least understand like the whole unwritten rule of the three zero thing. I don't agree with it. If I was the manager of a baseball team, I wouldn't manage it that way. But if a manager wants to do that and he has his team to do that, like fine. But the public thing is, is, is terrible. I, I kind of feel like we could be sitting on this Yankees being swept for for a few days because we might not have baseball this weekend. It's very possible we're not going to have baseball. I mean, it's that's a sour, that's a sour, sour series to to linger on because they just they just got outplayed, flat out, out outplayed, outmanaged, out everything this series. Tampa's bullpen is a problem, and if their starting pitching is healthy, it's a big issue for the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, Glass now and because if they're healthy, they're going to be pitching well. They're talented, extremely talented. One of the probably one of the top. If Morton's there with. Um, What's his injury update? Because I know he got injured against the Yankees. Yeah, he walked I... out. But if if he's there uh, with Snell and Glass now, and they're all and they're healthy going into a, a short series, or you know, that's he a problem. Threw an intense bullpen session on Tuesday, so he's so. fine. So the fact that they have those three guys that are that are bona fide number one to two pitchers, talent wise, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, did you see Glasnow's stuff? He's, he's uh, filthy. Um, the, the, the the Pittsburgh Pirates are the dumbest organization I've ever. Oh my god! Come across worst, in my, that in my that has to be a top five worst trade in all of sports. You of all look time, back right? at some of the other deals. I mean, just the fact that you know, <laughs> Garrett Cole was under was in the building and they let him go. And so you know. I I thoroughly enjoyed the Cole Glasnow pitchers duel. Like even though the Yankees I lost the game. And they were losing the game. It was a for fun game. A good portion. That's a fun game to watch when you just got two hosses out there going at it. That's especially fun. when, especially when you see that um, when Garrett Cole goes down, like the intensity was really. He knew what was at stake in that game, and that's why he was so mad. But he knew what was at stake in that game, and he was mad at himself for doing it. And the fact that the Yankees battled back, like it was a fun baseball game to watch. Yeah, uh, unfortunate result. But Glass now, when he throw ninety nine darts, yeah. and then that filthy curveball. Yeah, he's good, man. He's really good. They they have a lot of talent on that team. Yeah, and and I, and I mean, it sucks because and like, they have the, the number one prospect in baseball just hanging out in like single A. If if single A was a thing, yeah, yeah. So it's just a, a shitty series. Obviously, the Yankees um, were not healthy for it, but. I, I find it convenient people say that they praise their depth when they wipe the floor with the Red Sox and they shit on the fact that there's so many injuries when they can't beat the race. Yeah, convenience convenience uh, will, will dictate how you feel about certain things. So both are true. Um, guys, make sure to submit mailbag questions, suggestions for eye test versus nerd test. I was going to get to more of them. I think I'll save them. So we've been talking uh, for two hours. It seems like we've been on, I've been talking to you for two to three hours. We talked for like 45 minutes before we press record. So we're at an hour and 19 minutes. Okay. I really got to get this. It's also 1030 at night. So it's feeling, feeling different. This glass is killing me in my throat. All right. We're going to end this. Any more work? Any, you got anything else to say? (laughs) No, I, you know, hopefully we get some baseball this weekend, and uh, and and COVID doesn't 
you know, of course the Mets, you know, had to, they, it, something's going to come out and it's going to be something dumb and it's going to be about the Mets, you know, being undisciplined and going somewhere and probably A-Rod being involved, you know. So I, I saw, I saw a report or something that it was actually front office personnel. Okay. So can we sacrifice them? Are they not allowed to be sacrificed at this point? We're just well, well I just go? think that it's like you gotta you gotta then test all the players, all the people in the building. Yeah, so and it's a matter of when they can get those back for them to even play. Yep. And the fact that they have another series coming up in a week just doesn't that doesn't that lead you to believe that there's gonna be double headers in our in our in our future? They're not gonna play three double headers in a there's row. There's gonna though. be two, maybe two. I'm just saying it's there, sitting there, like it's waiting as conveniently there. I think what we might get is a doubleheader on Saturday, on excuse me, on Sunday, once they get tests back, and then next weekend one one doubleheader. We'll Who knows? See. All right, we'll talk to they you. They are they are playing on uh, one o'clock on both Sundays, actually. So scheduled. Yeah. Great seven inning ball games. Let's go, baby. Talk to you on Monday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Sports are back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than with our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and prop bets you can bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. It's actually very, very interesting because all of these sports obviously are playing without fans. You might not think it's a huge adjustment for some players, but it really is. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember, use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.